and we do need him. Truly, he is our rock. He is truth. He's what enables you and I to experience the good life. When Jesus started the nation of Israel, he spoke truth to them through Moses. Moses laid it out. He says, here's truth, and if you follow it, you're going to be blessed. If you're not, you're going to be cursed. You're going to have life or you're going to have death. Then Jesus came along and he shared a story about this. He said there are two guys. One was building a house and he built it on the rock, truth. And the other guy built it on sand, postmodernism, relativism. And a storm came along and one stood and the other one crumbled. Paul in Romans 12 comes along and and elaborates on that personally where he says you need to give yourselves personally as a holy and living sacrifice to God so that you can prove what the will of God is, that it is good, the good life, and that it is acceptable for everyone. In fact, it's perfect. It comes from God. We're in a series where we're taking a look at how to have the good life looking at our belief system because beliefs determine our behavior and vision determines our values. We're understanding in this series what we believe and why we believe it. What I believe about Friday is that it was a great day for my son to come over and cut down my trees as I prayed for him. It's great to do that. Have you done that? You you know, invite neighbors over. Hey, I got some yard work to do, and why don't you come over and do it, and I'll pray for you during that time, okay? It was a great, is this not been a great, great week? I mean, the weather is just awesome. I moved to Texas for this reason, okay? This is awesome. Well, if you're here for the first time, you're looking at the lead pastor. I don't call myself senior anymore because I start and look senior, so I am the lead pastor. And like I said, we are in a series called How to Have the Good Life, and we're taking a look at six questions that are wrapped around our belief system. And today we're going to take a look at the third question. But before we do, A guy named Bertrand Russell, a famous atheist, said this. Unless you assume a God, the question of life's purpose is meaningless. Guess what? I happen to agree with him. At least he's being intellectually honest. He's saying, you know what? If there is no God, then life is absolutely meaningless. So let me get to the point in this series or in this message. If there is no God that everything that happened is just an accident, then your life is absolutely worthless. It has no significance, no purpose. If life is just the result of random choice, but of chance, then folks, there's no right and wrong. It's might that rules. There's no law. There's no even heaven or hell. You see, to be intellectually honest, the only logical and rational philosophy for an atheist is nihilism, which means that nothing really matters because everything just came by chance. Folks, I've known believers who have given their life for what they believe, but I have never met an atheist who had the courage to believe the implications of what they believed. They believe that there is no God, but that their life matters. That's just not true. If life is the result of random chance, and you and I are just an accident, 
then nothing really matters. We all, we might as well just all pack up and go home. Truly the logical extension of atheism is what you and I see in our culture today. Despair and hopelessness. Today, we're gonna take a look at the third question of understanding what we believe and why we believe it so that you and I can have the good life, so that we can experience it. And the question is simply this, who am I and where did I come from? We're gonna take a look at three fundamental truths of what we believe in regards to that, and then we're gonna take a look at the implications. So get your pens out, here we go. Who am I and where did I come from? Number one, that God created everything. In the very first book of the very first chapter of the very first verse, it says this, in the beginning, God, stop right there. If you do not believe those first four words, your life is meaningless. It has no significance. The Bible clearly states that God existed before the universe came into being that he spoke it into existence. Now, you may be sitting there and you may say, well, George, but how long has it been around? I don't know. I wasn't there when it started, okay? I know I might look at it at times, but I've not been there, okay? If you are an eternal God, time is irrelevant to you because you're not controlled by it. Now, you may be sitting here and say, well, then, George, do you happen to believe in the theory of evolution? No, I do not. It is a theory, but I don't believe in it because we have no evidence that one species has changed into another species, that a flower has turned into a mouse and a mouse has turned into a turtle and the turtle turned into a monkey, okay? Now, we know that within species, things can change, that a flower can change from one color to another. It's called a hybrid, okay? But there is zero evidence in the fossil record that one species has all of a sudden become a different species, Evolution is a theory, and I happen not to believe in it. Now, what's interesting is you study the Bible that God doesn't spend a lot of time on how the, how the universe in this world came to pass, but he spends a lot of time on why he brought it into existence. Take a look at Isaiah chapter 45, verses 18. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. God created the earth so that it could be inhabited, so that it wouldn't be a dead planet. We send all these rocket ships, uh, space shuttles or whatever, out into outer space, and all they discover is that those planets are dead. God created this planet to have life. Why? Take a look at Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10. God is the one who made all things, and all things are for his glory. He wanted to have many children share his glory. It says that God created it for his enjoyment. He didn't create it because he had to. He created it because he wanted to. And he wanted to have a family. The reason why planet Earth has life on it is so that God can have a family. And who is that family? Folks, it's you and me. God wanted a family, not because he was lonely, Gee, I'm getting a little bored up in here in heaven. I think I'll create someone. Not because he needed us. He created us because he wanted to love us. Think about this. God created the universe. I love watching science shows. God created the universe so as to create our galaxy. 
so as to create our planet, and he didn't create it to be a dead planet. He created it to have life so that it could sustain life so that he could create you. So that he could love you. You are the pinnacle of God's creation. And he had to create everything to create you. The second pillar of truth is this. God thought of us first, but he created us last. You see, as you read Genesis, God explains everything. I mean, he kind of lays it out. One, two, three, six days, whatever, okay? Whatever that means. And then at the end, he created male and female in his image. He created everything else first, but folks, you and I were the reason. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. Long before, we, long before he laid down earth's foundations, God had us in his mind and had settled on us as the focus of his love. Paul's saying, you know what? I'm, he's saying through the Holy Spirit, I'm going to create all this stuff so I can create them so that I can love them. Wow. God, you did all this when I look at what Hubble is taking pictures of? Did it for me? Folks, he created us last, but we were number one in his mind. Take a look at this verse out of Ephesians 1, verse 8. God brought us into being through the word of truth so that we should have, will you circle this, first place among all his creatures. You and I are number one in creation. The next pillar of truth is simply this, that God custom designed each of us. Now listen to how God does this out of Psalms 139. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. You see, God custom designed you because he has a plan and a purpose and a place for your life. In God's economy, things, folks, you fit in. You've got a plan. You've got a purpose. You've got a place. He has got a vision for your life. And so I say this, whatever you do, never let someone put you down. Never. If you read my blogs, I'm always talking about, hey, you're, you know, you're God's number one. Never allow a parent or a partner or a professional or a peer say that you're illegitimate. You know, there may be illegitimate parents, but there's no such thing as an illegitimate kid. There may be accidental parents, but folks, there's no such thing as an accidental purpose. Every person has been custom designed by God. You have custom designed jeans, and I'm not talking about the $200 ones that you're wearing right now, okay? He has a plan and a purpose and a place for you. So what should our response be as we look at this God who's created everything, who's custom designed us? Our response should be one of gratefulness. I hope when we get done with this series, we sing a song and we sing it with all of our hearts. In essence, saying, God, thank you. Take a look at this verse in 2 Corinthians 9, 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And so those are the three pillars of what? God created everything. He, cre he thought of me first, but he cre created me last. And he has custom designed you and me.
So what are the implications of these three truths? Well, I want you to know what we're going to talk about is going to give hope for those who are hopeless. The first one is this, that life has sanctity. The word sanctity comes from the word sanctify, which means to set apart, to set apart for a special purpose. If I were to say to God, God, I want you to take my car and I want you to use it for your purposes to serve humanity, I could say I am sanctifying my car. Folks, you and I can do that with everything in our life. We can say, God, I just want to set this apart for your special use. Well, the Bible comes along and says, guess what? Your life has sanctity, that it has been set apart for a special use. Why is that? Why are human beings the pinnacle of God's creation? Well, let me give you three reasons. The first one is simply this. Will you write this down in your notes? That you and I have been made in God's image. Genesis 1:27. God created people in his own image. God partnered or partnered or patterned them after himself. Male and female, he created them. God designed you in his image. Folks, cows and, and goats aren't designed in God's image. Dogs and cats are not designed in God's image. Well, how are we different then from the rest of creation? We're different. We're really in a number of ways, but let me give you two off the top of my head. One is morality. God has given you and I free choice. We can choose to do right or we can choose to do wrong. We can choose to believe or choose not to believe. We can choose to fulfill his purpose or not fulfill it. God has given us free will. Secondly, spirituality. He's given us the ability to connect with God, to commune with God. Have you ever seen a cow out in the middle of the pasture sitting down on his blessed assurance with his hoofs up like this? Hum, No! Folks, he's created you and I to connect with him. The second reason that we are different, and will you write this down, is that, well, hold it, don't. I got another thought. I did this in the first service. Oh, no, this is it. The second reason. I got a lot of thoughts. Let me tell you, I, I had an hour's worth of material. Aren't you glad I worked it down to a half hour, okay? The second reason is that God planned you before you were even born. Here's an example. Jeremiah 1, verse 5. Jeremiah said this, to, God said this of Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart for my holy purpose. Did you know that God had a purpose for you before you even took your first breath? Folks, he did. And why is that? Because you are special. Folks, that's why I believe that abortion is wrong. It breaks my heart when I hear people ignorantly getting abor ab abortions because they are aborting a person who God has a special purpose for. I mean, if you were aborted, would you be able to fulfill the purpose for which God has created you? Think about that. No, you wouldn't. God comes along and says, I don't want anybody thwarting the purposes that I have for them. The third reason that we are special and different is that you were planned for God's pleasure. Write that down. Take a look at Revelations 4.11. You, God, created everything, and it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. 
Folks, everything that you and I see, when we walk through God's creation, even here in Plano, Texas, this is flat, okay, and it doesn't look like there's a whole lot going on. There's a lot going on. God says, you know what? I made it for my enjoyment. When you see a tree, when I saw two of them come down in my backyard, yes. <laughs> God says, I made that for my enjoyment. When you go to the mountains of Colorado, and you see those mountains come up out of the desert, God says, I made those for my enjoyment. When you wake up in the morning and you look at that pretty face of yours, you should say, you know what? I've been made for God's pleasure. And he made me to love me, and I am no accident. In fact, let me put it like this. God just doesn't love you, folks. He likes you. He likes you exactly the way you look. Why? Because he made you. He made you for his enjoyment. And a lot of times we don't think that way. We think the only time that God really smiles at my life or our life is when we go to church. No, God smiles at us all the time. When I wake up in the morning, I have to have my first cup of coffee before I believe God. He likes me. George, I love you and I like you. He likes me when I go to McDonald's and I'm sitting down and I'm writing a message and I'm drinking some more McDonald's coffee. He likes the way I dress. And when you wake up in the morning and you look at yourself in the mirror, you ought to think the same thing. You are special. You see, I've got three boys and I love them to pieces. I can't even begin to imagine them never talking to me. They do. They call me up occasionally, probably about every other week. Dad, it's been a little while, let's go out. It's because they want a free dinner. <laughs> but they call me up and I commune and I, I have fellowship. I, I, I talk with them, I have a relationship with them. There are many people who are so busy in life that don't slow down to say, God, thank you. Thank you for the life that you've given me. Thank you for family and relationships. Thank you for the blessings that I have around me. Can you imagine the pain that that must produce in God's heart where people don't ever acknowledge him? Folks, you were made by God and you were made for God. And that is why you have sanctity. Secondly, your identity has dignity. This is something deep down inside that we crave for. We want to know that our life matters. We want to know that, that our lives are making a difference. Folks, deep down inside, we actually crave this. Now, what gives you and I dignity? Well, a number of things. First of all, it doesn't come through wealth. It doesn't come through fame or sex or, phys or, or physical beauty. No, it doesn't come through any of those things. Folks, it comes from things that are much deeper than that. If you're reading the book, The Good Life, from uh, Chuck Colson, you would know this. They actually come from God. Will you write this down? First one is this, that God sacrificed himself for you. You see, real dignity comes from the fact that Jesus Christ went to the cross for you. God says, you know what? You are worth dying for. Take a look at 1 Peter 1, verse 18. God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life. 
He paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ. He did this for you. God says, you want to know how much I love you? You just look at the cross. You see, how much is your health really worth? I'm now getting these kind of emails. Are you getting those? Hey, I got a buyer for your house. Your house is worth a lot. You know what, how much your house is worth? Only what a person is willing to pay for it. Not a penny more and not a penny less. When my kids were collecting baseball cards, Dad, it's going to be worth $5,000. I said, I'm not, it's not worth that to me. I guarantee you that, okay? Not how you're handling it. I have some in my drawer that are now in the Hall of Fame. My kids, Dad, can I have that card? No. I treated mine well, okay? You see, it's not worth anything more than what a person is willing to pay for it. And God was willing to give his life. In fact, he said this, I can't live without you. When you think of God dying on the cross for you, folks, you and I should never, ever have a low self-esteem. And by the way, we should never think less of anyone else. Every life matters. I don't care whether they're young or old, black or white, a believer or non-believer, of a different faith. I don't care if they are a Democrat or a Republican. They all matter to God. The second thing that gives us dignity is when you and I realize this, will you write this down, that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. When you say yes to Jesus Christ, what happens is that he invades your life and he sets up permanent shop. And as you grow, you begin to be aware of this. In fact, I've had people come up to me on a Sunday morning and say, George, were you speaking just to me today? I mean, were you a mouse in my house this week? It seems like you were speaking just to me. It seems like if I was the only one in the room, you were just speaking right to me. I says, I want you to know something. That wasn't me. That's the Holy Spirit. And I say this, when God speaks to you like that, you better write it down. You better circle that. You better start because God wants to take you deeper because I don't spend much time on this. I'm getting to the next truth. And this is not a spooky thing, folks. It's a God thing. And so when you choose and say yes to Jesus Christ and he drops from your head to your heart, God invades your life and sets up permanent shop. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Haven't you yet learned that your body is the home of the Holy Spirit God gave you and that he lives within you? Your own body does not belong to you. God says your identity has dignity because I died for it, because I'm willing to live for it. And here's the third one, write this one down, because Jesus gives you a new identity. Jesus transforms your life. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 here. Anyone who is joined to Christ is a new being. The old is gone, the new has come. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus wipes away all of your flops, failures, and fumbles, and he gives you a new identity. Now, folks, this gives hope. This is so important. And let me tell you why. There are a lot of people that are walking around in our culture. They look great on the outside, but on the inside, they're filled full of shame. You see, how this works is like this. When you and I sin, it damages our dignity. It just doesn't hurt God. It just doesn't hurt others. Folks, it damages our dignity. And how that works is like this. Every time we sin, a little bit of dignity 
is replaced with a little bit of shame. And the more you and I sin, the more shameful we become to where when we look in the mirror, we don't even see the dignity that God has given us. And people are walking around like that. But Jesus is in the dignity restoring business. One of my favorite stories is the story about this adulterous woman that was pulled out of bed by these jerks, thrown in front of Jesus, and, and they asked Jesus, Jesus, the law says we ought to do this with this kind of woman. What do you say? You see, those, those people treated her without dignity. We would never do that at LifePoint. And so Jesus looks at them. And you know what I think? I think if you and I were there, we'd have seen righteous anger in his eyes. And why I say that is because he paused. James tells us, hey, if you want to be slow to anger, don't be quick to speak. So he gets down, doodles in the sand. Then he stands up and he looks at them and he says, he who is without sin casts the first stone. And from the oldest to the youngest, they all left. Why did he do that? To protect her dignity. And then after everyone was gone privately, he spoke truth into her life. He said, go and sin no more. And he didn't give her a 10-point outline about adultery. He just forgave her and he restored her dignity. Now listen to me very carefully. I don't care what you've done, where you've done it, who you've done it with, how often you've done it. It doesn't matter to God. And guess what? It doesn't matter to LifePoint Church. What matters is where you're at today and where you're wanting to go. You see, because there is a God that created everything, that thought of you first, that custom designed you, your life has sanctity. Your identity has dignity. And then number three, your days have destiny. Meaning that God has a purpose, a plan, and a place in his economy of things for your life. Take a look at Psalms 139. All the days planned for me were written in your book before I was one day old. Did you know that? Did you know that God knows your life from beginning to end? And he's written them down in the book. Why? Because your days have dignity. Now, you've heard me say this before. You and I, if we're lucky, we'll live to be 60, 70, 80, maybe 90 years old. That's nothing compared to eternity. And the Bible says that life is preparation for eternity. That God wants you and I right now to begin practicing our purposes for a destiny. Take a look at Ephesians 2.10. 2, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, God has your your. God says, your days are filled with, with a destiny, and I've got some purposes for you. I've got my general will, and I've got my specific will for you. And what you and I need to do in order to fulfill it is we've got to be who God has created us to be. You see, if, if you're not going to be who you are, 
it's not going to get done. And so God comes along and he says, I just want you to be you. You see, is it possible for you to miss God's specific? Yes, obviously he has a general will for you and I. But is it possible for you to miss God's specific purpose in life? Absolutely it is. You and I, if we would come to God and we would just say this, God, I want to be who you've created me to be. And I want to do what you have created me specifically to do. Yes, I've got a general will, and there's a lot of things in God's Bible that he wants all of us to do. But there are some unique things that he wants us to do. God, I want to do those things. I guarantee you this, God will let you, let you in on it because he wants you to know it more than you do. Now, are there things that happen as we go through life that kind of deter us from that? Absolutely. The question becomes this, well, are those things God's will? The answer is no. You see, God has given people a free will. He's given them the ability to choose between right and wrong, and sometimes people choose wrong. If I leave here and I go to a bar and I get drunk and I get in my car and I go out and I, and I kill you in an accident, folks, I can guarantee you this, that was not God's will for me and it wasn't God's will for you. And so I say this, we need to be careful who we blame for the problems that come into our life. God says, I have given man a free choice and you can choose to believe or you can choose not. You can choose to be a part of my family or you can choose not. You can choose to do my will or you can choose not to do it. Now sometimes we choose wrong, okay? I often say this, <laughs> I don't need other people to bring wrong into my life, I do enough of it my, myself, okay? And sometimes you and I choose to do wrong, but guess what God does? Because our days have a destiny, he works it all in to God's plan. And that leads us to the fourth one. My problems have intentionality. Because God created everything. Because God thought of you first. Because God custom designed you. Your problems have intentionality. You see, God is God. And your problems have a purpose. Meaning that the mess that you're in has a purpose behind it. And God put it all into perspective. He doesn't have plan A and then plan B. Oh, I blew it. I don't know. I got divorced. I, I hit this person. I, I got drunk this night. Whatever. Oh, now I guess I got plan B. No, God's got plan A. He's always had plan A. Don't you settle for plan B. He's always had plan A for your life because he's known all about it and he's corporated it in. Do you recall, it's been a little while since Mission Impossible movies were out with Tom Cruise. Now I think they call him something different. He could take ordinary things and make something extraordinary out of it. Guess what? God is better than Tom Cruise. Because he can take everything. He can take your broken lives. He can take your flops, failures, and fumbles and make something out of it for good. You see, I don't need other people to cause problems in my life. Folks, I cause them myself. But if those problems come from others, if they come from my environment, if they come from my DNA or whatever, guess what? God allows all those things for good intentions. 
Others may not have, but God does. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is about a guy named Joseph. If you want to read his story, it starts in Genesis 32. He was a guy who God gave a, a dream to. Maybe God's given you a dream. He has. I hope you wake up to it. But he's given him a dream, and his brothers became jealous. And so they were going to murder him, but they decided to sell him off as a slave into Egypt. And he was there for years until finally God raised him up to fulfill the dream, to be second in command of Egypt. And one day, as a result of a famine, his brothers come back and, whoa, there's our brother. And they became fearful. Folks, I would have been fearful too. And yet Joseph said to them, you know what? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That is a statement of maturity. You see, there is intentionality behind my problems. And so listen, there have been people, no doubt, in your life who have hurt you, and they've done it intentionally, to hurt you physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, vocationally. What I want you to know about LifePoint is that we have a heart for the hurting and the helpless and the hopeless and now we say even the homeless. I'm sorry. We're sorry. But we have a huge God who can take the hurts of our life and recycle them for good. You see, God has a purpose behind your problems. And, those, and that purpose, at least in part, is the building of your character. I don't want to shock you. But God isn't interested in your comfort because you can't take your comfort with you. You're not going to be take your, your BMWs to heaven with you, okay? Or your half a million dollar homes or whatever. It just ain't going to happen. But guess what you will take? You will take your character. And how does that happen? Through truth, folks. Truth transform. And God uses time. A lot of us, I know myself, I'm, I'm there and I've been there, okay? God, this procedure was supposed to be done in a week and now it's, you know, two and a half months, God. He uses time to drill in those truths. He uses, he, he uses testings to firm up the foundation. He uses troubles to help us grow. And while we're going through it, you know what we need? We need a promise. Even pastors need promises. Take a look at Romans 8. It's one of my favorite. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You see, obviously not everything is good, but God uses everything for good. And this is a promise. It isn't a promise for everybody. If you don't love God, if you haven't dropped him from your head to your heart and you're just out there doing your own thing, can I just say this? God owes you nothing. I mean, who in the world do you think you are? I mean, oh, God, just come through. Okay, I'm in this fox. He owes you nothing. But if you want to know God's will for your life, if you love him and you want to do his purposes, God, God says this, I will work it all out for good.
so what we do is we trust him. We trust him because my life has sanctity. My identity has dignity. My days have destiny. My problems have intentionality. And then finally, my future has eternity. And will you write with that, my future has an eternity with community. Because there is a God and you have been made in God's purposes, you have been made to last forever. Take a look at Psalms 23. I love Psalms 23. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a long time, isn't it? You and I are gonna be with God forever. And not just with him, but with his forever family that he wants you and I to be practicing loving one another now so that we can do it well in eternity future. And that's why I say this. If you don't have a spiritual home, We'd love to have you be a part of this. Come to, we call it a membership class. Just come, be a part. God wants you to be with him forever and with his family. Look at Ephesians 1.10. This is God's purpose. When the time is ripe, he will gather us all together from wherever we are in heaven and on earth to be with him. You see, God isn't gonna force you to do that. He says, it's your choice. You get to choose to believe in me or not believe. You get to choose to be a part of a spiritual family or not a part. You get to choose to fulfill the purpose that I have for you or you can choose not to. I mentioned several weeks ago that I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Because when I look at this Rolex watch called the universe, I just can't believe when I look at it that it just happened to come about by chance. When I look at this Rolex watch called the universe, I think and I know intuitively, you know what? It's been designed. Someone's put a lot of thought and energy into it. And so there must be a designer. Personally, I reject the implications of atheism because a life without God is a life without sanctity, without identity, without a destiny, without an intentionality, and without an eternity. You see, a life without God, folks, isn't life at all, it's just existing. And God came, and throughout Scripture, he laid it out to the early nation, young nation, Hebrews, follow my truth, and you'll be blessed. Jesus shared a story, build your house on me, the rock, and you'll be blessed. Paul came along and says, offer yourselves to God to prove that the will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. Let's pray. Today, I don't know where you're at. Maybe as you look at your life and as you reflect upon it, you see that some of the wheels are falling off the car as you're going down this road called life. And there's not any stability and security in your life. 
that when you wake up in the morning, <clears throat> you don't see God's number one creation. All you feel is shame and guilt because your life is filled with resentment and hurt. Today, start afresh. Today, come to your creator, Jesus Christ himself. And just say this in the quietness of your own heart, God, right now, I know life isn't working. And I know I've made a lot of mistakes. Most of them I've made myself. And I am filled with regrets. I am filled with guilt and shame. Today, I believe that you died on the cross. That if I were that woman, that adulterous woman, that you would have treated me with dignity. And I know that because you died on the cross. You went the distance. You couldn't live without me. God, I believe that today. And right now, I say yes to you. I want to drop you from my head to my heart. I want you to invade my life and set up permanent shop. I want to know from the inside out that my life matters, that my, that my days have a destiny, God. Thank you for the forgiveness that I have through you. God, help me to commune with you on a daily basis. I want to make your heart happy. And if you prayed that prayer in whatever way that you did, God hurt you. If you would just let me know on your communication card that's in front of you, just pull it out. Write your name, maybe an email address, and just simply say, uh, and write the letter A and circle it saying, you know what, I've accepted Jesus in my life today. And when I get that, I'll get you some literature. I'll email you some literature that'll help you understand what you've just done. So God, we give you this. We thank you that we can know without a shadow of a doubt that you are for us and not against us, that you have a good life, the good life for us to experience. Help us, God, to be those kind of people. In your son's name we pray, amen.